Shamai, welcome back to the H-Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can become a patron of H-Hour by going to patreon.com forward slash hkpodcasts. Sign up there and you will benefit from all sorts of stuff. Exclusive behind-the-scenes content, exclusive Q&As just for patrons with their previous podcast guests. We've, released, we've recently had uh, Chris Cox on, for example, who's the author of, uh, author of Fire Force. And... Um, Monthly uh, monthly chats with myself, just for patrons, going, getting feedback, going back and forth, access to an exclusive Discord community, and, and a load of other stuff. Freebies as well, freebie giveaways every month as well. So uh, yeah, to become a patron of H Hour and join that niche group of uh, of fans and supporters, go to H. No, don't go to H. Go to Patreon.com forward slash HK Podcasts. Thank you. Thank you to my sponsors. Sponsoring the podcast today are Rugby for Heroes. Rugby for Heroes are a not-for-profit organisation formed in 2009 in the wake of the death of Private Joe Whitaker, who was sadly killed on ops in 2008, serving with the Parachute Regiment in Afghanistan. Rugby for Heroes, they organise fundraising events to raise money for military charities. And they've been doing so uh, around about once a year ever since they started, but they started increasing their scope, well, before the pandemic, they started increasing their scope and frequency of events to include things like uh, supper clubs, uh, beer, well, they were already doing beer and gin festivals, rugby festivals, lots of different things. Mike and the team are working hard to put on more events. The pandemic uh, went, no, I don't think so, Mike, for about a year and a half, obviously. However, Rugby for Heroes have just held their uh, their first event back, the, <coughs> excuse me, their restart festival back. Incredibly successful event Hundreds of people attended, good rugby, good community spirit going on, family entertainment, evening entertainment, live music. It was a quality event. Go to rugbyforheroes.org to see when the next event is coming up. Rugbyforheroes.org and to show some support. And on social media, they are at rugby4heroes. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Rugby for Heroes, you're doing an amazing job. And you are very much appreciated by everyone. I know everyone that knows Rugby for Heroes or, or have been touched by Rugby for Heroes and supported by them. You are very much appreciated. Thank you. Also sponsoring the podcast today are the Aardvark Group. The Aardvark Group provide advanced systems for the protection and management of territories, borders, assets, and people for a global customer base. The Aardvark solution incorporates risk management, satellite, and UAV imagery for situational awareness, safe systems for the identification and destruction of landmines and the remnants of war, and standoff explosive detection technologies. Aardvark operates in the humanitarian, critical defense, security and commercial sectors in the Middle East, Africa, Asia, Europe and the Americas and they are widely regarded as the most effective clearance system in the world. Aardvark's expertise is in the creation and implementation of safe systems for the investigation, decontamination and handover of land impacted by the remnants of war. Following the recent acquisition of Aardvark in 2017, the new management has sought to develop and expand the company's offerings with systems and solutions that complement the company's highly regarded status. One such enhancement is the addition of advanced drone surveillance technologies, providing the company with market-leading situational awareness for mine clearing, counter-terrorism, border security and asset protection operations. They also uh, have recently set up an online shop where you can, where people who work in post-conflict zones can go and get kit that may f- they would find useful on the person, personal kit like first aid kits, trauma kits, etc. There's a discount code for that shop and it's H-H-O-U-R, H-O-U-R, H-H-O-U-R. If you stick that in at the Aardvark shop, which is at aardvark.group, you will get money off. I know that many people who listen to this, worst, in, 
uh, working post conflict zones, go and get some kit from Aardvark. Get money off. H-H-O-U-R's discount code. And thank you to Aardvark Group for sponsoring the podcast. Also sponsoring the podcast today were the were are also sponsored today also sponsoring the podcast today are the development society the development society devsoc for short is a community of people who want to be better than they were yesterday they're more than just a clothing company they truly are a community of like-minded people looking to improve from merchandise where you have to earn it not simply buy it to weekly zoom yoga sessions they're the best kind of people you can find they're hard workers and their community is open to all who want to improve regardless of your background if you want to get involved, you can join the infamous Daily Waves newsletter, which you do that through signing up uh, on the website, which is thedevelopmentsociety.co.uk. And you can also join their Slack community. They're active on Instagram and Facebook. You can find them uh, at the Development Society. And to get more of an understanding about the philosophies, what they do, how they can help you, you need to visit the website, thedevelopmentsociety.co.uk. Like I said, when you go there, Stick your email in the Daily Waves newsletter to, in the Daily Waves newsletter sign up and um, and benefit from that. It doesn't cost anything. You get daily stuff through. Really helpful, help improve your way forward, help improve your well-being, and help improve your situation. Whether you think you need it or not, take a look. Why wouldn't you? Uh, and in the meantime, in their own words, stay wavy. Thank you to the Development Society for sponsoring the podcast. Onto the podcast. My guest today is Lizzie Stileman, MBE. Lizzie was awarded an MBE, um, her MBE for uh, services uh, during the pandemic when she was uh, acting as a volunteer with React Disaster Response. She'd been a volunteer with them for a long time, and she's also now a trustee of React Disaster Response. She's also a former member of the Royal Logistics Corps. She left as a major, um, and she served on operations including uh, Telic One, so the invasion of, of Iraq in 2003, and also... Um, uh, Bosnia and a whole bunch of other places. She's a really, 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 really good person. Has done amazing work. Does do amazing work. And this is a really good job. I really enjoyed it. And you're going to enjoy it too. started that what an idiot no one just hit record and say hey, we're recording by now I'll give you a countdown there was someone in here using the studio last week and they were, they were doing the countdown they're all professional five four three and then <laughs> I said flipping it I don't do that excellent <laughs> I'm, the, I'm your guinea pig <laughs> yeah. yeah Lizzie Stileman MB absolute pleasure to have you in the studio we've been trying to organise this for ages haven't we yeah probably almost a year now yeah uh, but uh, we were talking actually in the car park Hectic lifestyles, yeah. craziness going on, difficult to align calendars, diaries, but I'm chuffed we've done it. And on that note of calendars, diaries, and loads of stuff going on, react at the moment. Yeah. Lots of change going on. Yeah. Unbelievable last 18 months. Unbelievable, Unbelievable. last 18 months. So you were saying op react is yes. now what is now coming to an end. Yeah, so Op React finished last Friday. So whatever, it's the 21st today, so what, the 19th? Yeah, something like that. So 18th. 18th, there we go. Uh, so it finished on the 18th. So that was it. Op React started for me on the 22nd <coughs> of March 2020 when I got called in to uh, Chilmark headquarters. But the actual op itself started about a week later because I was just plugged into the military as a liaison officer 
and but the the official op started a week later so yeah it's it's gone on since middle of march 2020 until middle of june 21 it's ridiculous you know the charity is only meant to do one two three week deployments at a time and has just been it's just been outstanding what it's done what was the size of the volunteer base at the start of react okay so that's a really interesting question i think we had about 500 volunteers on our books at the start so they're the trained volunteers that we had um not everyone would have been um uh, keeping um uh, keeping with us so the, the at the 500 i don't know what percentage of that uh were engaged with us and that was right at the start and you know then react said right let's reach out to the veteran volunteers and so put a call out on all forms of media if you're a veteran you know sign up here and do some good and you know we had nine and a half thousand people reach out and come and join us now again not all were engaged and we didn't use everyone that put their hands up but it's incredible what we we achieved um with with very very little money behind it 15 full-time members of, of staff and that was it 15 members of staff who drove this thing and have been driving it you know since march last year absolutely phenomenal man isn't it Unbe <laughs> unbelievable yeah. unbelievable that's why i asked I, I wasn't sure how many you asked had the start i but i knew at one point uh, there's an eight thousand eight thousand figure in my head it was at one point i remember maybe it was sharpie or maybe paul taylor had said yeah. to me um yeah we're eight thousand volunteers now yeah and that's what I was thinking, what do they have at the start? And I didn't think it was as low as five. Yeah. I say low. Five is not low, right? Yeah. Especially for what is predominantly an international disaster response yeah. organisation. But uh, that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I shout to nine and a half thousand people who flipping put their hands I up know. as well. Because I, I ended up with a couple of tasks and I met some of them. And these people, you know, <sighs> arguably would never have volunteered for anything like what React disaster response is if it wasn't a pandemic. Mm. And arguably would not, probably not in the best position in their lives as many of us were during the pandemic going on. But regardless, volunteer to go and do what is difficult work. Difficult work, either mentally and physically or, or physically and or both. Mm. You know. Um and uh, and from all walks of life. I really I, I only I only got to just go on two I think two tasks with during the pandemic with React. Okay. But it was a privilege because you get to see these all, all yeah. manner of people. It all it, every single demographic you think yeah. of all coming together to help uh, work the task I was on was you know NHS help yeah. the NHS in different ways. Um, talk to me about the um, that military role you were playing there, the military liaison. Yeah, so um, I did twenty years regular service with the army and got out in twenty fifteen and joined the reserves. Um, <coughs> my reserve role is with the National Reserves headquarters based in Woolwich, and they sort of farm you out to different headquarters. So although I'm with the NRHQ. My my sort of uh, where I'm based is Standing Joint Command in Aldershot SJC, and that's where the pandemic was run from. So when React called me and said, you know, are you putting your hand up for volunteering? I said, yeah, of course. Thinking it'd be a th actually, they told me it'd be a three weeks, you know. <laughs> um, so they they said, look, can you be a liaison officer with the military? And I said, you do realise I'm normally paid for this role, don't you? Going into SJC, but it made absolute sense. Because they knew me in Aldershot. They knew um, I, I'd been there loads of times. I'd actually been there when Hurricane Dorian had hit back in September 19. 
and um, I, I, I was meant to be doing a week with SJC and they and I had to drop everything and run um, because of Hurricane Dorian. So I got deployed um, to the Bahamas. And then I went back in the December of 2019 and gave them a presentation on what I'd been up to. So they knew me and they knew about React and they knew, you know, that I this is what I do. So um, Nick Parker, the chair, made some contacts um, with, you know, the high-level military. Um, and I knew other people within the military and SJC. So I got invited in and saying, look, can you coordinate the voluntary sector with the military? And I can talk the language because I can talk the military talk. But I'm there very much in a voluntary role. So I was there very much there in a hoodie, not in uniform. And so I, w I could just link um, the military with the voluntary sector, not just React, but, you know, plugging in and, and sort of putting the, the whole force forward. So, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's everyone was responding. It wasn't just the military. No one knew what was happening. This is, you know, all brand new for everyone. So it was very much not quite sure what my task was when I got to SJC, but it was sort of make it up as you go along. And putting that um, that forward-leaning uh, liaison in every part of the, the UK, um, and we had contacts in all our React staff were out there, and I was trying to get them work and um, you know seeing what the military were turning down and what they were accepting and just liaising between the two, and that was really what I was doing. So is is that what the regional coordinators were doing was working to you on those tasks? Not to me. I, okay. I was just plugging in and keeping my ear to the ground. So I was always okay. pushing everything back to Ben yep. and Paul in the headquarters. And, you know, absolutely weren't working to me at all. We were all one big team and I, I was just feeding extra information in. Yeah, I think I, I think I phrased that badly. Yeah. I, I think it meant, yeah, y y the, the tasks that were falling out. Yeah. Were, yeah. So a really good example of that is the mortuary task in Breakspear. So the military didn't want to do it uh, for a number of reasons. And it sort of came in as this request, which wasn't accepted. And I remember saying to Rich Sharp, you know, we've got this, you know, in working in a, a mortuary. And I have to say, I was thinking, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, but I have to say the volunteers were incredible. And the mortuary staff was saying that, you know, this is as good as you get. You, you know, they, they were so professional, our volunteers. And actually, they had um, people taking over from us were um, event putting up um, marquees and festivals. And they took over from us and they weren't respectful. They weren't, you know, our volunteers were 10 times better than them and they were getting paid. Oh. And so it was a really big thing that we just amazing task that we couldn't sing and shout about that we'd done this incredible thing because it wasn't the sort of thing you want to say yeah we're doing hot trees you know it's not something you publicize but we absolutely you know the volunteers were incredible and they were a huge amount of dignity uh, with the deceased just absolutely mind-blowing what they got up to there what what's the where did the need come from for that? Can you elaborate? On um, that? From what I see, it was just more deaths coming in than, than any mortuary could could deal with, and staff going off sick and so on and so forth, and and so there was a need to manage the bodies, and that's what our our guys and girls were doing. Just incredible, and they were you know knowing where they all they were, they were calling by their names, and they were really really respectful and really emotional task. And sometimes, you know, this is right at the start of the pandemic. We didn't know what the um, infection was like and you know, the PPE wasn't great then probably. And I know they were dealing with bodies were coming out of bags. 
So it was absolutely incredible what they achieved. How long did the how long did that, those kind of tasks carry on for? That that went on right through the last year, didn't it? Yeah, there were different different mortuaries that they worked at. So I don't know. I don't know to be honest. Uh, so the task we get going, okay. and then we have different strike team leaders in there, loads and loads of veteran volunteers, not just trained responders, and it's just absolutely incredible. It just blew my mind what they could do. Mm. Yeah. Mm, incredible work. Mm. I wouldn't want to be doing that. Mm. Um, how did the uh, how did React's uh, relationship with government, military, local government? Uh, change over the course of the pandemic did it did it because it increased in positive in a positive way in yeah. a lot of places didn't it was well, that across the board yeah well we we were really unknown you know really tiny charity built based in wiltshire um no one really knew who we were so the sjc knew who i was and they knew what i'd been up to some of the people in there and then i was sort of hanging around you know it, that i was there every day so they all knew who I was and that was the voluntary sector point of contact with government. It was slightly different. We had, we would do it. We did some work uh, for them. And I know that um, Ben Lampard and, and the team did some work before, just before the pandemic, just sort of planning how a response could happen. Um, but the relationship, um, I know that, that the, in the, in the local authorities, every authority is different. And, you know, so some, the relationship's quite strong and some it's not so. And then you've got local resilience forums. And again, we've built up some really amazing relationships in some areas and it's harder to crack in others. So it's very hard to say, you know, some areas absolutely amazing. And I know we're sticking with a few now to try and build and increase on that relationship to, to build in resilience for the future. Because let's face it, you know, there's, there's always going to be something happening, whether it's a flood or whatever it is. And if we can be prepared to, to launch and have the relationships before the the event happens. That's you know that's the gold option. Mm. With uh, with that forward look at mm. what's happening now. Are you, are you talking about the people? The, there's a week off going on. Yeah. The mark. There's a bit of a reset going on. Yeah, there is. So the the op react finished on Friday. The staff are taking a, a massively well deserved week off and to reset. We've got a new CEO coming in, and that that he or she is yet to be selected and that's going to be happening over the next four or five weeks which is really exciting um we are looking at moving from chilmark um so there's a lot of moving parts at the moment but what we're going to be doing is resetting so we've got nine thousand veteran volunteers of which s some don't know how many want to come and join us fantastically but we have to train them up so training starting again as soon as um, you know, staff are back and the training you know, and so that there's a lot of moving parts at the moment really getting training back on 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 track is really important because we, we don't want to take people at risk we need to get there make sure they're the right sort of person there's a lot of taking at risk during covid um you know you, you you're just saying because you're a veteran what will take you on but we need to make sure that, that they're properly trained and that that's the next thing. And international training will need to start as well because we've now started hurricane season again for the Caribbean. So hurricane season starts you know, June till December. Notoriously, it comes along September, October. And thankfully last year, there wasn't a big one that we, you know, that, 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 that needed our response. And you hope there's not going to be one this year, but you've got to be ready for it. What about um, the, the core of React? 
those the yeah the, the core staff. Yeah. Are they looking at expanding to to meet the needs in the future? Or? Yeah, I mean they they're always looking at how we can improve what we've got. We've always got to keep an eye on finances. That is because you're a charity and. If you don't have the money, you can't pay the staff, and you need to have a runway ahead of you that, that you're able to, you know, to, you you've got you've got a burn rate, staff costs, um, that the rental of the building, the heating, and all you know all the um, insurance and w which is significant. So you have to work out how much money you've got, and we've got our sister um, um, business now, Resilient, which is earning us money, um, and we're trying to get that to throw money across to react every month to to help with the charity and we need to be in a good financial place talk to me about resilience because in all honesty that i'd, I'd forgotten about that actually mm. talk about that because that's right yeah. back, i'll shut up yeah no it. so um <laughs> it was born on the back of of covid testing and there's a company called signpost who um said look would you like to come on board and earn some money out of testing so we put a team together and they are paid so they're not volunteers, <coughs> they're paid people. And they, they get, they, so they were doing COVID testing, mainly for Babcock initially. And and it was earning us money that we could then put into the, the charity pot, you know, React's charity pot. So it was it was kept us afloat because, you know, people aren't, money for charities was really going downhill over the last sort of 15 months. So that was quite amazing. So we're now looking at exactly what Resilient can do making sure it's in line with react because we don't want to suddenly go and get children to sell arms for us and <laughs> you know that but but you've got to keep it very very much on track and make sure that that they're within our you know our, our mission and and what we believe in um so there's a lot of thought going on at the moment how it's all going to be structured how it sits properly um making sure that the charities commission are happy making sure legally we're all happy and sort of the, the money's able to come in so there's a lot of restructuring going on and there's a development committee uh looking at that at the moment mm, interesting mm. From, from my understanding it was a, some you know some form of training consultancy resilient resilience training for yep. corporates and yep. stuff which yep. is a massive scope for us massive yeah and so hopefully resilient will take on our training the reacts training so they can use that training to you know get get companies and corporations to, to you know to do the same training but it'll also be training our, our responders mm -hmm. how did you get involved with it with so react with react when so because you, you deployed pretty much almost yeah immediately yeah. after being pulled into the fold right? i did yeah yeah <laughs> um so i did a master's in 20 i left the army 2015 <coughs> signed up to a master's um in disaster management in i think september 15 I graduated sort of the end of middle of uh, 2016, so about September 2016, and I was talking to Bournemouth University, the Disaster Management Centre there, and they said they wanted to employ me, but I had to get my hands dirty, and I had to very much, um, you know, understand what it's like at the grassroots level doing disaster management. And they said, look, there's an organisation then was called Team Rubicon, and it's ex-military. I think you'd be perfect for it. So I signed up in January 2017, did the induction a couple of days. And within two weeks, I think I was out in Nepal, um, got back from that, did a course in Chilmark. And then next thing I know, there's floods in uh, Sri Lanka. So I went out as running the op in Sri Lanka, um, which was 
you know, just are incredible for me, really, to see, you know, how it all works and fits together. Got back, did another couple of courses, and then Hurricane Irma happened, and I went out twice to the Caribbean um, on Hurricane Irma. So I got four deployments in 2017, and pretty much all my courses. So, you know, at that stage, I was living off my military pension and just doing, you know, React stuff. So, and then I sort of, you know, was fairly experienced because it was four deployments and all the courses under my belt. So that was it, really. Well, so what, what's been your most challenging deployment to date? Um, probably the Sri Lankan one, to be honest, because I'd only just really joined the organisation. Um, really difficult when, you know, there's you've got a bunch of people who you don't know beforehand and you're suddenly, uh, training has changed significantly since then, so you'll always know, you'll, you'll have a lot more, visibility of who you're deploying with but I went outside uh you know flew from uh to Sri Lanka and didn't know the people and suddenly I didn't even know I was going to be in charge and they sort of put me in charge oh by the way can you be in charge and you're in charge of finances oh and also the um uh the, the photographer and <laughs> I was like what <laughs> um and then you sort of trying to get fixes that you know to help you get transport and and there was a few personality issues. So to me, that was the hardest one because I was sort of juggling loads of balls. I was new to this. Uh, I still really enjoyed it, and I think we did some really good stuff. But that, that to me, was the hardest one. Yeah. Um, what was the situation? What was the situ situation? How widespread was the, the devastation out there? It was quite localized, but it was terrible. I mean, the, the flooding was absolutely huge. I mean, you're talking <coughs> about sort of three meters. Uh, the houses completely um, submerged in water um, and all the drinking wells had been um, polluted and it, so we ended up rebuilding a bridge um, over a river so the kids could walk to school taking 10 minutes not an hour and a half we put a roof on someone's house some vulnerable person's house which had completely blown off uh, and the third task was three, and the, the wells and just working out which wells were um, had potable water and and ones which you know shouldn't be drunk from. So it it was it was really good. It was very different to what we would do now, but it was good for my learning. And it was you know we did some good out there. And I hope the bridge is still standing. And I hope you know the, I think that you know we went the, the, the people who were there got a lot out of it. But the locals, I think you know got a lot out of our, lot out of us. We were helping you know we we're getting people to help us the whole time using the locals where we could. Mm. Yeah. How does um, when you, I don't know if you've given it any thought, but mm. how does your experience with when you've been with React mm. and on deployments, uh, how do you find that compares to your experiences when you were deploying when you were still serving? Mm. Do you see s similarities? I guess the team bonding, yes, absolutely, and you're relying on your, you, you've just got to rely on people. Um, but the responsibility is probably more so when you're with React, a smaller team. And so on the recce team, it'll just be me and Paul Taylor. <coughs> and, you know, we make decisions and we'll just phone back and make sure we, you know, we've got the authorization. But it, it's, um, you, the, the teams are the same thing. You're working hard together for each other. And that's, that's the sort of similarities. But, but to be honest, you are given a lot more responsibility when you're, you know, you don't know what you're going to get to when you go out and you go out so my so one of the deployments I had a phone call 7pm Christmas Eve uh, Lizzie can you can you go tomorrow um, to 
um, uh, Indonesia. I was like, what, Christmas Day tomorrow? Then, yeah, yeah, Christmas Day tomorrow. Um, so, you know, you pack your bags, you've got, you're, you're fully immunized. And they said, oh, by the way, it's not just going to uh, Indonesia tomorrow. You've got to go via America to go and pick up the water purification kit. So I flew London, Amsterdam, Detroit, Boston, Doha, Jakarta. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Who gave you that phone call? Oh, uh, it was Sam. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I looked at the flight and I went, are you taking the mickey? I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm going out to... And they went, yeah, you've got to meet this dude called, I know, Barry or something. And with this great big youth with a Christmas tree on the front Christmas day. So he took me to McDonald's. I went, really? <laughs> <laughs> and at every flight I had dramas, whether like, getting on there or missing flights. I mean, it was every airport was a huge drama. But I got to Indonesia exhausted. I didn't know what day of the week it was. The team greeted me. Didn't know most of them, but got on with my house on fire and had a 12-hour drive. <laughs> Yeah. What's that? Uh, what about contrast? If there is any contrast between um, responding in, into a disaster in somewhere like the BVIs, mm. or responding to a disaster in a developing country? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, when someone's had a disaster, it's been the worst day of their life, and similarities of that. You know, whether you're in the BVIs and you've got money, or you haven't or you're in Indonesia and you've got nothing, you, you know, you have experienced something which no one should ever experience. I guess the contrast is, is you know, just the money, I guess. And But, but it, if you're going to somewhere that's devastated, they don't have cars, they don't have fuel, they don't have... So, so it, it is always quite similar because you're always, you know, one thing we don't deploy with is vehicles and we one thing we need to get around vehicles. We'll walk if we have to. But it makes your life a lot easier when you can find vehicles. So wherever the disaster is, you know, there's common thread of the, you know, wide-eyed people and they see disaster response on you. And, you know, you they, they see hope. They see someone's coming out to reach them, to help them. And it doesn't really matter who they are. They, you know, they're just wanting help. And, you know, that, that look of, I mean, I'm, I'm, when Paul and I deploy, he knows I'm a hugger and I'll just go and hug people and people will cry and they're just relieved that someone's there to help them and to listen to their story. And it doesn't really matter where you are in the world, that's the same. And, you know, you do get really emotionally involved as well. It's when someone's sobbing in your arms and, you know, their family have nearly died and everything they have is ruined. It doesn't matter if you're in the Bahamas or in Indonesia. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's just wherever you go is really similar, that, that human experience. Yeah, it's very different, isn't it, mm. to where we're serving. I, mm. I, uh, one of the things that surprised me um, when I deployed overseas with, with you guys, um, and I, I got emotional mm. a, a couple of times, and mm. it would happen at the same time. There was a repeated thing that would happen when we went into, we went into villages, and they realised that we were bringing them help, uh, food, mm. um, and I always, when the translator would, or the interpreter, or the local, I think mm. interpreter, the local who could speak English, would translate it to the, the village elder and all the villagers there, and they'll all be, you know, they'll be frantic because they needed help. And the, as soon as that piece of information is conveyed, look, we're coming back, we're going to leave now, but we're coming back. Because mm. like you said, we found vehicles and trailers mm. and we just pile them up with, mm. with food. And that. Mm -hmm. We're coming back with food and you're going to get food and you're gonna, from us and you're going to get shelter. And, and they'd all... And the whole everyone would start cheering 
at the same time. And uh, I would just make me well up every time, every time I think flipping out. And it, it was because they'd gone from extreme sadness and uh, panic and this state of extreme unhappiness to extreme happiness. They were getting help. Mm. And, uh, we, we, you, you know, you'd say that, become emotionally involved. Mm. That is one thing that you, I never experienced that when I was serving. I didn't. No. And, it's, and, you know, mm. we definitely went and helped people. And there, was, there were times where people were in need and you had that you know, that impact on, 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 mostly, we never communicate with people on, on that sort of whole township together level, or whole mm. village together level, just the way, it not the, the military, so you didn't really see it like that, but when you see that collective happiness yeah. um, in the face of extreme adversity, man, it's, a, it's a, a completely different experience. And you're experiencing, you know, you're there, and they see you living pretty rough, because the volunteers, you know, we, we don't live in salubrious, um, uh, surroundings. You know, we put a mosquito pod up, and you know we'll purify our own water to drink, and we'll, we'll eat maybe once a day sort of ration packs or something. And um, you know it's not we're we're not sort of living it up, and and they'll they'll see us, and they'll see us experiencing you know hardship, no lose, no showers, you know, and it's they'll understand because what we don't do is go and stay fifteen miles out, you know, a hotel that survived. We'll go and stay right in the nub of where the problems are, and just put our mosquito pods up there. And if it's raining, you know, just put a tarpaulin over it, and you know, just so very much we'll stay exactly where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're gonna find. You think you'll find it difficult after this year and a half of frantic react response, op react stuff going back to normal daily routine yeah what is normal now eh? right, yeah, <laughs> yeah what's the new normal um no i don't think so i think i mean th- there's still a lot of react stuff going on i'm a trustee and you know there's there's always um stuff to do with react there's always emails coming in and you know obviously i'm always you know i, I don't see my relationship with react changing um but you know life goes back whatever that's going to look like um i'm still an army reservist i still put uniform on now and again i still do a lot of sport uh, which is where my heart is you know and so life will just carry on hopefully i'll get a bit of work coming in um which i think i I will that sort of was put on pause really since march last year but you know that'll come back i'm pretty sure (laughs) yeah yeah. Do you prefer the entrepreneurial side of stuff or do you prefer the, the, the uh, volunteer side of stuff? Because the entrepreneurialism it, is quite... No, I don't think it's entrepreneurial. I, well, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think it... it you started a business, didn't you? It is, but okay. I just consult. So I, I don't, it's not sort of... Sorry. I, yeah, yeah, it's not earning mega bucks. <laughs> um, yeah, see, uh, <laughs> it's that word entrepreneurialism, yeah. isn't it? See, I, 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 <clears throat> it depends on people's interpretation of it. Interpretation, interpretation. Interpretation, interpretation. Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> <laughs> interpretation of it. Some people get, uh, yeah, it, they they try and stay away from it. I don't know. I see it as anyone starting a business. That's yeah, but it, it's 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 really. I mean, it it's it's very very small. So I, I mean, I, you know, it's nice to earn a little bit of money on top of my pension and and a bit of my military stuff coming in. Um, you know, I really like the portfolio job. So someone <laughs> says, do you fancy doing this? I'll look at my diary. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll do that. You know, why not? just keep it fresh keep it interesting and you know i don't know really what my weeks look like uh, so i went oh i'm getting obviously here today you know <laughs> <laughs> um you know so i've got always always busy always got stuff going on 
How much time are you committing to the reserves at the moment? Do you do much time with them? Um, that's a good question. So last the f- wave one of COVID, I did all react. Wave two, I was still react, but working from home, and I did some military stuff as well for SJC. So it's it's quite handy because the stuff I watch, I can then sort of pass on. Um, I have done a bit of adventure training for them already this year, and hopefully more to come. Um, you've got, so got that grin in your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love the most. It's, what are you uh, doing? Uh, I was doing some scrambling in Sky. I've been doing some sailing in Solent. Mo- what? Scrambled motorbike scrambling? No, climbing oh, right. scrambling. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, real scrambling with, you know, gripping the rock. Um, what's, what, hang on, what's the difference between scrambling and rock climbing? Well, rock climbing. A bit of bouldering. I've yeah, it, it's, it's almost... Uh, so scrambling, you get different grades. Um, and it it's not just walking over a, a cliff, but it's sort of a bit roped up, so it's a bit between rock climbing and um, moving over. But it's just incredible. I, I mean, I'm no good at heights, and we were up some really funky stuff, carrying quite a lot of weight because we had our overnight kit. And, um, You're no good at heights, you say? No, I'm no good at heights. What do you mean? Def- define no good, Lizzie. Um, I find it hard to imagine you be no good at anything like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm put me on a height, and my knees are knocking, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was it was very cool. We were on some very very sharp uh, ridges with sort of sheer drop either side, and I managed it. Where was this? Uh, Isle of Sky, Sky. Isle yeah, Sky. yeah, Isle of Sky. So near the Coolins, and it's. Um, have you seen the Danny McCaskill clip where he rides his bike down this slab? If you haven't seen it, go to watch it. Is it um, is is it a bit greenery on it as well? No, a uh, mm, little bit. But it's if you just type in Danny McCaskill the slab yeah, and he cycles down, it. he's absolutely nuts. And the making of it is more interesting. So we s- s- scrambled up that. Oh. And then I had to abseil off a sort of 50-meter peak to then climb up another bit. It was brilliant, actually. But yeah, I've never been to Isla Sky. I was up I was up to Scotland a couple of weekends back, yeah. doing the north coast. Okay. Hang on, Sky? Yeah, Sky's northwest. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting confused then. I had um, what's that one? What's that one uh, down between Guernsey and Jersey, the tiny island? Oh yeah, it's not that. What's that one called? Uh, uh, that's not Sky, is it? No, no, no. It's got some weird name because of that. And I was getting confused. Yeah, it's definitely not that one. It yeah. was definitely Scotland. Yeah. We I, I, I could see Sky. I could see Sky from the coast. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. That was amazing. That yeah, we did. Bit of, we we carried our kit with us and bivvied out on one of the beaches overnight. It was just brilliant. Midges? Did you get any midges? Actually, amazingly, not. I couldn't believe it. When was this? When did you go? Um, I think May, end of May. Oh. No, no midges. We went beginning of June. Okay. So, and it was, we did four, four nights, we four nights going from the, uh, going anti-clockwise from, we actually started Glasgow. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> the first three nights, zero midges. Mm-hmm. Zero midges. The last night, Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! When they come, they come, don't oh they? Oh my god! I've forgotten how bad it get. It was unreal. Uh, it was unreal. I was in Wales last weekend, mountain biking, uh, Afan, and the midges were out. Pretty miserable. <laughs> I don't miss them. No, I don't miss them at all. Do we say anything about being um, permanent, permanent, uh, uh, regular? No, no, because um, absolutely not. I mean, I loved my career. I did twenty years. Really enjoyed it, and you know, I'm very proud of what I did and. Love my life now, so not at all. Really glad I did what I did, and really glad I got out when I did. You ended up as company commander at Sanders with That's three right. years. Uh, no, two and a half years. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so twenty uh, September twenty twelve until sort of May twenty fifteen. 
Did you? Well, how long is it normally done? There? Is it's normally two, two year years, process? but I um, because I had signed off, um, they asked me to extend because I was in the middle of a commissioning course. I said, "Look, can you just?" I had all male companies said, "Can you just see the end of the boys and make sure they commission?" So I saw it to the end of their commissioning, and then when they commissioned in December, I then left Sanders, but I hadn't had any resettlement, so then sort of negotiated a decent package to get to my resettlement and after Sanders. Because when you're there as an instructor, you don't have any time. No. I remember, yeah, mates who went down there. It was just yeah. hectic. I loved Sanders. it, though. really enjoyed it. Um, but it's, it is a bit like being an op tour. You just don't have any time to yourself. It's a weird old place, isn't it, Sanders? Yeah. It's a weird old place. It is. When you were there, were they still doing beagling as one of the optional sports? <laughs> the, uh, I don't think they did. The so I went down. <laughs> beagling is a sport. <laughs> they were trying to... Uh, I'd been earmarked to go to Sanders as an instructor and they, I went down, they sent a bunch of us down for, yeah, and they were having a problem at the time as well, getting power edge guys to want to go to Sanders and instruct. No one wanted to go. They wanted to go to Brecon and instruct the Brecon. Of course you do. Yeah, basically. And I was one of those people. And um, they went down to look at life for a week and I, that's one of the things that stuck in my mind is um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was uh, yeah, a list of, there was a list of every, I, I'm trying to remember, you know better than me, but the the officer cadets or whatever, officer cadets the young officers had yeah no the officer cadets officer cadets they yeah. had to choose a sport or at least one yeah, sport two sports yeah, yeah. And, uh, two sports and, and on the list was beagling <laughs> fucking beagling <laughs> <laughs> like beagling <laughs> unbelievable I know yeah. and the other thing that stuck in my mind about that was about Sandhurst was um, and I also experienced this actually when I was when we were, we were doing the exercising troops for the uh, uh, field commanders course for okay. know, um, captain the major yeah or majors going to field command roles okay. right uh was um foreign foreign students foreign officer cadets, overseas cadets overseas cadets who were at sanders trying to uh, poor some Jesus. of them they you, i mean my my junior terms were always the february uh, the january one and these poor dudes that arrived from the Middle East looking frozen. <laughs> January in England. A completely different world. Miserable. Completely different world. And we, we had one j- dropped into my platoon. Um, I say we had a section of officer cadets. That's right. It was the, it was the, it was the field commander's course. I can't remember what the course was called, but for majors going to field command positions, right? And... As pa- their their companies were made up of regular tr- troops, so in this case, part of Reg, mm-hmm. and officer cadets. So we had some officer officer cadets, and I'm trying, if I remember this right, and it was a, we had a Jordanian soldier, <laughs> and uh, we were getting ready for a, a company attack, and everyone's forming up, helmets on, get your helmets on. This Jordanian soldier wouldn't put it, put his helmet on, and I said, uh, and we had those permanent staff as well, right? and I said, can you get your helmet on. I said no. I said, mate, you get your helmet on, please. I didn't say, mate, get your helmet on. And he said, I said, why not? And it'd be raining, right? <laughs> this is a Mark Six, mind. It'd be raining. And he said, because he, he wouldn't put his helmet on because apparently it had shrunk in the rain. <laughs> it <had> shrunk. <laughs> <laughs> Can't bluff and bluff. But, um, but the, the permanent staff said, like, leave it, leave him. Don't just leave it be. You know, there's no point in because I wasn't like permanent staff. I was I was in the battalion, so I delivered a, a shorter fuse than what the permanent <laughs> staff had to just to walk away. But get away with yeah, mad, mad. I would want to be those guys. Some of them were good, but you know. Yeah, I no. Mean, some of them were brilliant. Some of them were absolutely brilliant, but they weren't all brilliant. <laughs> on that subject, 
Yeah. Which are the most uh, interesting and amusing uh, nationalities that you work with at Sanders? Ooh. <laughs> oh, they put me dirt. on the spot here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'll have to say to that. Um, crikey. I, I, to me, I wear one guy from Africa and, and I can't remember where in Africa. I think it, I don't think it was Kenya. Might have been Kenya. And the poor bloke, he was always cold. It was even a hot day and he'd be cold, but he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant what he did. Just cold the, the entire time. And, you know, just you know, final exercise was in that final exercise was in Dumfries and Galloway. And it was the biggest rain they'd ever had up there. And this guy was just absolutely in clip. <laughs> um, but, but brilliant. And you could just see one thing, not wanting to be pulled off and you know, just wanting to, to remain there. But I mean, he was getting hypothermic. Um, some really good guys from Afghanistan. I had two oh, really? brilliant. Um, one got the overseas award, actually. Um, Hashmatullah. Um, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, some people struggle with a bit of English. Um, not all great, um, but it's, yeah, we had one brilliant American guy. I mean, it's hardly overseas, really, if it's coming from America, but it's, you know, it still is and it's still counted. Well, very, we're a very different army to yeah. them, of force yeah. to them, aren't we? Yeah. That's interesting. So when he, when he came over... Was he already in, in the US yeah. military? Yeah. So he came over just as a... Yeah. He'd been... He'd, he'd done some quite funky stuff, actually. And he, the first term, he dislocated his knee. He was in the first exercise in Barossa. And I'm going up and his knee was point was completely off. And I was like, that's it. Game over. His military career probably over. And he shoved it back. Oh, my God. And I know. Absolutely nails. And... Um, uh, six weeks later, I mean, he, he he said, no, no, keep me on everything. Just don't do sport. And, and he didn't even need to get back termed it was, or, or um, Y-listed. It was amazing. He just carried on and you know, strength of this dude. <laughs> what, unit, what unit was he? Do you remember? Uh, no, I can't remember. There's dragons in memory. There was, there? The thing is, I had your three <laughs> different companies. You know? <laughs> Crikey, that seems like a long time ago now as well. Did you work a lot when... Where did you deploy to? Where, where were your deployments when you were serving? Uh, so I went straight out to Bosnia, um, 96. Uh, so I was in Sarajevo, and that was quite funky. Um, that was, it was, it was quite volatile. I remember sort of, we, I got shot at in a tunnel. Um, there was a couple of vehicles, and there were sort of small arms, and we were like, crikey, and got out, and the Land Rover was in, had some bullet holes in it it was all a bit close for comfort that and you know you no body armor in those days or anything like that um and what was the task what was the task you so there? i was arc support battalion so headquarters arc and we were just looking after them uh the, the staff officers in the headquarters arc um and you know as a young second lieutenant <laughs> i hadn't got a clue what was going on but it's good deployment for me but it was a long deployment it was 11 months for Jesus. Yeah, so I only did about seven or eight months of that, but it was a, a long old one. Um, you know, very, very different to what deployment's like now. And um, and then just uh, Iraq a couple of times, one 2003 during the war, so doing Telic 1. And uh, yeah, that was, I was ops officer of six ply uh, logistic corps. And that was really interesting for me because, you know, you get out, I got that out there in the January and it big ass bit of desert right put the headquarters up here what here yeah and so you know very little kit coming across and and then suddenly everything was coming you sort of building it up so it was really interesting sort of going from from absolutely nothing to you know then 
during the war itself when it all kicked off. I think it was about the 20th of March, I think it's that everything started. Um, you, know, you could feel the, um, the missiles taking off around you because we were in the, the same base as the American logistic marines. So massive base. And we had all our ammunition. It was a huge, huge base. And you're talking miles here. And I used to go up every day to the, the American compound to sort of liaise with them. And, uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was quite quite spicy at times. You know, we've got stuff. I mean, if, if a missile had hit us, we'd been pretty lucky because it's such a big-ass base in the desert. Um, but that was so you've been talking... When you did the base, Q8 you're on about, right? Yeah, in Q8. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and yeah. So were, they, were you being targeted then? A little bit, yeah. I mean, because we, we were the third-line logistics, so if they got us, then I guess that um, it would have been a, a good good hit for them, but they never got lucky, thankfully. Uh, I didn't realise, because I was out there too, I oh didn't yeah. realise there was that kind of targeting going on. I mean, I was yeah. just a Tom at the time, and you, yeah. you, you we were in, I was with three power, okay. so I've got no idea where we were. We were in the flipping <laughs> desert somewhere, and these massive bloody tents, um, but it wasn't a big camp. Well, our little camp wasn't big, but uh, you know it was it would have been part of a bigger sort of um, uh, what you call it, you know, little camps dotted around it, all over each other, mutually supporting. But so you know, I didn't realize that target was going on. I mean, all uh, all uh, we knew of the uh, of um, potential attacks that were going on was when lightning got shouted. Yeah, lightning, lightning, lightning. Yeah, eh? lightning, lightning. Get your lightning, gas yeah. mask on. We we were given a pigeon. Um, we didn't know enough. Um, um, cams and naiads, you know, to detect what was going on. So we were literally given. I'm not taking the Mickey. We got given two pigeons. We no way. I promise. I swear to goodness, I'm not lying. So just explain what camera uh, um, uh, naiads and so what ner other? nerve agent detecting kits and cam. How did you remember those Can't. names? I'd forgotten all about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chemical agent monitoring. That's right, so yeah. Is it, yeah. And is they it? didn't have the right battery system. So, I mean, it was just hilarious. You get out there and it's like, well, okay, so we haven't got anything to detect what's going on. So this, and the Americans said, well, here's two pigeons. Really? <laughs> I mean, this is 2003. You can't, you can't write this stuff down right. So we had one pigeon in our headquarters that obviously got a regimental number and uh, <laughs> you know and then we put one down by the ammo site but the americans on their humvees were driving around with chickens in cages on the front of the humvees and i promise i'm not lying oh my god <laughs> and oh then when god. we had the, the call so rather than gas 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 it was american one which is lightning 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 you had to chuck your nbc <laughs> gear on and um sit under a six-foot picket table, wooden table. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, I mean, not offering you a lot of protection, is it? I had the radio. And uh, and then the first time we thought we were getting gas, we're like, uh, okay, who's going to take their respirator first? You know, I'm not. <laughs> and, you know, you're meant to do the sniff test. Really might be stuff out there you don't know. Are pigeons still alive? Brilliant. <laughs> problem, the problem we had, being flipping morons, is that... It came a point in time. It was just constantly getting called. You take your mask off. Oh. Constantly getting called. People started calling it for a laugh. <laughs> so honest to God. So someone would shout gas, gas, gas. We were, I'm sure you're shouting lightning, lightning, lightning. Uh, someone, someone would shout lightning, lightning, lightning somewhere, sitting away, giggling. Probably in a portaloo. <laughs> probably in a portaloo, <laughs> giggling. And that would send the whole camp into, into meltdown. It. Everyone's then masked up. And what happens when that? When no one's called it, 
no one stands it down. No one gives the all clear. It's not being called. So <laughs> and everyone's it's boiling waiting, hot. And you're everyone's waiting for all Romeo. clear. Exactly. Everyone's waiting for an all clear. You're wearing a respirator, you're full kit. It, the all clear's not coming because no one called it officially. <laughs> so, <laughs> unbelievable. So then what happens? People don't bother masking up. <laughs> you know, didn't bother because you never knew it was a fucking joke or not. Honest to God, it's <laughs> like what on earth? What uh-huh. on earth? That was funny. We, d- I mean, we didn't have a very, uh, um, what do you call it, eventful, in inverted commas, war. Thankfully, you know, I say, but yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it was flipping an experience for everyone. I yeah, think. I mean, well, I d- w- you and I'll never get to do that again. <laughs> you know, an invasion, but uh, yeah, I know. It does seem like a long time Lo- ago, though, right? Because I was on Safe Surreal 2, which is 2001, in Amman, and went back to Germany 2002, and then 2003, Telic 1. 18 years ago, Lizzie. Oh, God, that makes me feel old. 18 years no, ago. No, say, say, I'm not that old. <laughs> mental. I am that old, damn it. Absolutely mental. I know. Yeah, I mean, uh, nuts. Did you go back out to Iraq after that? Just once. You did, yeah. yeah. When, when did you go? Um, 2005. Same with me. Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where were you? Uh, just based um, with the um, 102 Log Brigade headquarters. So Shiba? Yeah. No, were you there, were you? Weird place. Weird That's place. where we were, yeah. Weird place. Buses going around. Yeah. Taking you Jingly buses. <laughs> that was a different world, that was. Yeah. So anyway, glad, glad all that's not, you're not on my agenda anymore, to be honest. No, they were crap tours, weren't they? I mean, depending on what you're doing, depending on what you're doing. Again, I, I was very naive. I think I have been very naive a lot when I was still serving and then when I left. If actually, up until about the point of the podcast where um, I started realising it's, it's, it's ignorance. It's uh, like unit ignorance. And I started realising that, uh, okay, there were like people had some pretty tasty times mm. in different places where you thought it was completely benign. Iraq was dodgy. Mm. But it certainly wasn't very dodgy to me when I was there. No. Or at least it didn't appear so. But then there's other people at the same time. That's some really bad tools. Absolutely yeah. smashed. Yeah. You know. yeah. Um, I know a lot of people suffering post Iraq, post Afghan. Lots of people suffering, aren't there? Yeah. Good, good, good uh, interesting topic, actually. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned Paul a couple of times. And, mm. Um. Uh, I remember. I, I remember. In fact, it wasn't long after I got introduced to React, and the vet, the ex-military, the veteran suicide rate was very much front and centre of attention of mm. the military community. Mm. Two years ago, two years ago, it still is now, not as much as it was then, I don't think. And uh, you know, um, I knew, or I know that there's been a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people I know of within the units I serve, or the unit I serve with, uh, three para. Um, and other people I've met through just different things, ex-military, who have who have either not here anymore <laughs> mm. because they decided that they didn't want to be here anymore, mm. or are suffering really badly. Um, but I wasn't sure. It's hard to tell how widespread something is in like that. And I asked Paul when mm. we were down. At, what was I doing? I can't remember what course I was doing down at React or oh, Team Rubicon UK at the time. And I asked him. I said. Because Paul's Fusiliers, wasn't he? Absolutely. I said, mate, what's 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 your what's it like with Fusiliers with um, people not in a good place and people killing themselves? And I explained why I was asking, and he said, exactly the same, like absolute nightmare, mm. Lo- loads of people, mm. like just crazy. Mm. And uh, too many. But it, 
things are improving. I think, I think it proved that things have improved rapidly over the last eighteen months, two years because of because it's been talked about. Yeah. Because there's more awareness of mental ill health. I mm-hmm. think it's always been around. Yeah, it's definitely more talk spoken about now. It's, it's you know I know that the, the hierarchy very much see it and understand it better wouldn't say they've got it completely nailed but it's it's definitely more of an understanding now and an acceptance that it's there how did you find it when you were in what was your experience with other people or with yourself anything like that when the units you serve um funny enough the first time i'd seen ptsd was when i was teaching on jotac so junior's tactical awareness course in warminster and oh, when was that that must have been crikey um something like 2000 and oh, crikey i can't even remember what year it was now but i was um a teaching the royal marine a young royal marine um lieutenant and he came up to me halfway through and said i can't cope with this and i'd not seen ptsd before and he said look i think i'm struggling and i literally it's the first time i saw it, i remember and i was like crikey okay and he had a really really nasty tour and you know, it was, it was hard to find where to signpost him and what to do, but we managed it. And that was, I remember that was the first time. So I think that was about 2006. Oh, early on then? Yeah, yeah, it was early on, which is why it was, um, it was quite surprising. You know, it, it's, you know, I'd, I'd just not seen it. And he, you know, he'd, he'd had a really bad time. And I remember saying to the SO1, the, the colonel there, got this guy that I'm not overly happy with. You know, he's, something's not right with him. And, you know, usually bootnecks are, sort of happy-go-lucky and really um and this guy wasn't and that's yeah, the first time i'd seen it that's not a fair play to him coming out for yeah with it then yeah. back yeah. then because yeah. it definitely isn't a situation it is now yeah no it's really yeah. new it's safe uh, i remember um when i uh it was it was after our i think the third time we went out to three power went out to afghan and i remember there was a um I don't want to say the rank, but it was a, a person of rank and they ended up having a really bad time, hmm. PTSD. Um, and at the ended up, eventually, after, after a, maybe, I don't, know, I don't know how long it was, I don't want to speculate, but coming back and going back into a frontline position, you know, a command position, um, which is amazing. Mm. And this must have been two, it was just after, I'm not going to say what it was just after, because again, I don't know, there's not many people who mm. had this experience, right? Um, so I don't want to, ping the guy but um it was at a time when it was just really surprising two or three four years before i wouldn't have imagined that would happen it would have been like a career stopper mm. where, you'd, where you'd end up always being in a g4 chain mm-hmm. no offense you know no, going from yeah absolutely <laughs> no not front line <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. yeah you know um, yeah uh yeah going into g4 something that wasn't it was in an infantry battalion it certainly wasn't considered to be, because uh, to be a bit easier, because it is in those in those units. Yeah, you know, it's just like you're not, you know, you're not up in. Th- there's less pressure. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. which is good. I think uh, things are improving. I think so. I hope but so. I know there's people still suffering. Problem is, how do you measure it? Problem is, how do you measure it? It's the same with like veteran homelessness. Yeah. How do you measure it? I don't know. <sighs> but I'm hoping things like React are helping. Because I know um, that a few veterans who signed up with us had nothing and that the, the, the React gave them a purpose during COVID. 
which is the most incredible thing. So it does, you know, React is incredible because, yes, we help people and we do the most amazing stuff. And whether it's working in a mortuary or turning COVID patients in a hospital or it's delivering food with fair share or whatever it is, but it repurposes those people. And I know a few veterans that were struggling during the pandemic who signed up, who then were part of the team again. And so it really is the most incredible thing that you put someone and they feel a sense of purpose. You're back into familiar surroundings, aren't you? Yeah. It could be hard. It could be hard to find a route back into it when you when you're away from it. Because a lot a lot of the time people are. I mean, for me, it's quite easy for me to be stay involved with the military community. Mm. One through the podcast, two because I'm geographically close to some ex-military folk. Mm. I work with ex-military folks. Mm. I'm very lucky. Mm. Other people don't have that. Mm. They don't have it. And it's hard to find a route back in to it and and yeah. benefit from the yeah. positive bits of the military yeah. as opposed to the negative yeah. like which is it's interesting with react it's, it's yeah. exactly what you said it is um it's a a way back into that community on your own on your own terms yeah more importantly on yeah. your own terms you know not pressure to do anything no take as much or as little as you want absolutely um and I know that resilient who have employed a few people um I think there was when they were doing some work in Babcock they were paying people because that's part of it was you know you're you're paying the individuals and they dug a few people out of holes you know giving people job for a couple of weeks you know and just incredible and I know that um that really helped a number of people out who were really struggling so it is completely repurposing the, the military veteran and you know react now it's not about the military veteran it's now about the right person it doesn't matter if you're military or not military during the pandemic, it was we were taking anyone ex-military on at risk, but we're taking anyone now. And if the right person comes along, whether they're you know whoever they are, as long as you you it's the military approach that we use, but we're not military. You know we don't try and be military. We just you know use the military approach. Oh, I didn't realize I didn't realize that it changed. Yeah, well it, it yeah because I knew it changed during the pandemic. Yeah, I didn't we'll, realize it was staying. Yeah, we'll we'll so we'll 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 remain using the the military approach, but absolutely we'll take on anyone who fits. Because, you know, not everyone, it's not a fit for everyone, for sure. Um, but it, it's, you know, and it's, there is no rank structure within React. You know, you go out and you're all the same. But you will have a strike team leader, um, you know. And it, it's tough when you're saying to someone, would you mind doing that? And they're like, well, you've got a rank. Well, no, I don't, but please do it. You know, this is the way React work. And so we need to make sure people are able to do that, um, you know, fulfill the role they're doing. And, um, you know, so some people aren't made for it. And you get some incredible people who have never done anything military in their life um and they are absolutely perfect fit for the organization yeah i agree yeah. i've mentioned it before i was talking to paul you know uh there was a couple of civilians when i on, on the team when i was when i went out to mozambique and they were fantastic yeah you know and completely unexpectedly yeah. i did not expect you know, no. just not what i expected i, know. I shamelessly say, yeah I, you know, shamelessly say. I know you think that yeah. oh well, you yeah. know they won't have the same but absolutely they do you know 100 percent and it's just the right sort of person. It doesn't doesn't have to be military or ex blue light or whatever. Just the right sort of person. What's um what we've not talked about? You want to talk about? Is there anything we haven't mentioned about React? Or yeah, what's uh, the next the next six months are going to be interesting? Aren't they? Yeah, I mean it's going to be about training. It's going to be about training. Uh, you know, capturing who we have signed up with us, and making sure we're getting the training done and the head of um, IT 
he you know he's moving everything um more digitally and it's it's looking a lot more professional um you know we're just trying to get everything um where it needs to be and uh, you're making sure that where react and resilience sit with each other with the development committee making sure we get the right ceo um and making sure we got the right staff making sure the fundraising comes on again as well because obviously we need funds to, to pay for the charity although the you know the volunteers are free absolutely the accommodations not you know chill mark at the moment wherever it's going to be next so finding a new home really important so there's a lot of working parts really before christmas and then that's even before you even think about deployment so you know hurricane season comes and we make sure we've got enough trained responders uh, international responders for that mm-hmm. so you know, all the training that needs to go on and make sure everyone's immunized and got the right dvs and there's a lot of a lot of work to do yeah interesting mm. i'm excited to see how, how things develop. yeah um I, I do have a question yeah mb <laughs> what's that experience like how did you find out how did you get told you get awarded an mb um congratulations thank you incredible. thank you um i actually found out by email it was um i was washing up my boyfriend was by my computer he said you got an email coming oh um, you might want to look at this one <laughs> and, <laughs> and it sort of swears you to secrecy and says don't tell anyone for a couple of weeks until it's gazetted oh crikey was not expecting that at all completely blew me out of the water you know it's, there's so many people who are deserving like literally hundreds in the charity that, that were deserving and mm. feels very um, it felt very weird that I had been selected um, you know, I chuffed a bit, don't get me wrong, but it was so many people were deserving. And um, yeah, so I, it was all, I think, formalized. I came out in the Gazette on the 9th or 10th of October. And uh, that weekend, my phone went fairly crazy. <laughs> 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 and let's say I drank quite a lot of champagne. <laughs> um, was there a ceremony? Not yet. So There's going to be one. Yeah, so... Um, it, it, there is, but obviously because it's COVID and I mean, there's a huge backlog now because uh, the New Year's Honours list 2020, you know, was announced what, around New Year and then COVID kicked in in March. So it's going to be hangovers from that from, you know, so there's four um, four of the Queen's Honours list, which they've got a backload of people. So they actually wanted me to go today. Um, and I said, no, I'm already But busy. you chose the HR I podcast instead. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't got a dress. <laughs> um, yeah. Where did you go where? In say where, where? Where is it done? It, well, it's either St James's or Buckingham Palace, and I've yeah. been invited to St James's. So, and then they gave me a couple of other dates, and I got some work on. And I, I was like, I've got to take on work when I get it now. Oh, so they give you date options. Yeah. I didn't realise this. Come on, give yeah. a bit of a right, so, <laughs> so you have to align your date with the Queen. Well, right? you guys, yeah, I, I, you I guys doubt it'll text. be the Queen. Yeah. You guys text. <laughs> yeah. Liz and I were having a bit of a WhatsApp chat. <laughs> Um, no, so they sent me one date and I wrote back and said, I'm really sorry, I can't make that. And then they gave me a couple of others and I went, I still can't make that. And so they said, listen, when we got some more, we'll, we'll fire you with, with some more dates. And then you get a scroll, which is really cool. I got a scroll through the post the other day and it's signed by Prince Philip. Nah. Yeah, I swear. No way. It is. Yeah. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So one of the last things he probably did. Oh my God. I know. That's incredible, isn't it? How big is the scroll? A3. That's massive. It's massive. It's framed already. <laughs> where, where, where are you going to hang it? 
Um, don't say in the toilet. No, it won't be in the loo. Um, I, I've got it at the moment in the sitting room. I don't know whether it's going to stay there, but I, I framed it before I got me- messy fingers all over it. <laughs> I'd make loads of copies of it every, every wall in the room <laughs> and on the outside walls of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Has, a, what, have, has anything changed since you got awarded it? Are people are people hounding you? No, I'm not really hounded. No, <laughs> I drank a lot of champagne, but that that always that's always there anyway. So uh, no, nothing's changed. Um, you know, a lot. My family are very proud, and um, that's what it should be. Yeah. So no, it's it's you know it's it's a wonderful um, thing, but say it's so many deserving people, and it feels very strange to be. In, singled out um but you know hugely appreciated well you're very modest lizzie very modest and thoroughly obviously thoroughly deserving of it <laughs> thank you um and congratulations Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you yeah you too react what's the website now react response react response react disaster response react disaster response dot oh no oh. are we both going to get shot by someone i think we might get shot because they've changed the they Absolutely. have. It's react re dash act. Oh, that's right. But I think it depends whether w- which social media you're on. I'm on about the website. The website. I think it's re dash act. dot org. dot uk. That sounds right. Uh, oh yeah, re dash act. Well done. You went. I failed. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kicked off. Yeah. Re dash act. dot org. dot uk. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, in fact, it's a React disaster response. It's yeah, easy to find. you Google There's that, and it's React on disaster. Twitter, it's on Insta, it's on Facebook, it's on LinkedIn, and I don't know any of the other social medias. TikTok, no idea. <laughs> oh, that'd be amusing if React was on TikTok, <laughs> wouldn't it? Who would be doing those videos? Goodness me! I think Paul Taylor should do one. <laughs> yeah, Paul, get Spider on. Uh, yeah. Spider on uh, TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> He'd probably be up for that as well. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Um, good luck thank with you. React. Obviously, and everything's yeah. going to because crazy times at the moment. Just lots of change going on. Yeah. Very difficult, very challenging. Yeah. And um, and good luck. Thank you very with much you, indeed. With thank life you and with the business. Thank it's you. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. No problem. Thank you. Cheers. That is it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I will enjoy listening to the guest. You can, you can become a uh, a uh, a patron of HR, I think I, I did mention it at the start of the podcast, you can become a patron and you can, uh, basically when you become a patron, you get access to behind the scenes content, you get access to interviews with the guests now that no one else gets access to. Access to. So before this podcast, I recorded a, sh- a, a shorter exclusive interview based around a bunch of questions for, for, for the guest and uh, only patrons get that. You get a unique insight into the uh, into the guest. Um, you also get uh, monthly Q&As with previous guests and uh, freebies, all sorts of stuff. Go to Patreon dot com forward slash hk podcasts and take a look and uh, sign up become a patron and join a niche group of uh, of hardcore supporters of hour another thank you to my sponsors today sponsoring the podcast with a development society a community of people who want to be better than they were yesterday you can sign up for their daily waves newsletter by going to the development society dot uk check your email address in it costs nothing and you get daily awesome knowledge can help you uh, improve your situation improve your well-being improve your improve whatever you think it is you need to improve there's an awesome group even just to be part of the community is cool they've also got a slack community you can get involved with um and they're on instagram at the development society thank you also sponsoring the podcast were the aardvark group who provide advanced systems 
for the protection and management of territories, borders, assets, and people for a global customer base. And aside from their commercial activities, they are huge supporters of the military community and have been for decades since they've been around. And actually, a, 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 significant, a significant proportion of their workforce are ex-military. And the opposite, operating post-conflict zones, they actually sell... Um, They've got an online shop which they provide for uh, for people who work in post-conflict zones where you can go and pick up some kit if you need it. Uh, things like uh, trauma kits and stuff like that, specifically designed for post-conflict work. And they've been very kind enough to provide a discount code for HR listeners. And that discount code is H-H-H-H-O-U-R. H-H-O-U-R. H-O-U-R. Enter that at checkout for a discount at Aardvark. Their website is aardvark.group. Finally, a sponsor on the podcast today, we're Rugby for Heroes, who raise money for, uh, God, mincing my words, they, don't, they do raise money, but they, they organise fundraising events to raise money for military charities uh, and to support the military community, and they've been doing that for a long, long, long time, over 10 years now, 11 years maybe, we're on, 12 years actually, 12 years, raised a shed load of money. They just recently held their first uh, festival back after the pandemic. Uh, it was the Rugby for Heroes Restart Festival. A huge, huge success. Huge success. And uh, you need to keep on top of their social media to see what's happening next. At Rugby Number 4 Heroes is their social media. Rugby for Heroes. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. That's it. Thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to you. Thank you to my patrons. Until next time. Out. <laughs>